Hey friends, welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dozinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Happy New Year's Eve to you all. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. And today, I hope you're doing whatever suits you best. If New Year's Eve is a time for you to rest and recover from the holidays, I am all for that. And if it's a time to celebrate and ring in the new year with friends and family, I am all for that too. Today, as promised, we're going to do a brief Q&A, but if it's okay with you, I'd like to spend a little time looking back on where we've been, as well as looking forward to where we're going. So those of you on my email list know I'm all about some good reflection at the end of the year. So in terms of the podcast, we are six months in, friends, and 30 episodes deep with nearly 25,000 downloads, which is crazy to me. We've covered the mission of brave marriage, communication, conflict, transition, and family of origin thus far. It's a strange experience for me to feel like there's so much more I could cover on each topic while at the same time wanting to meet you where you are with what you're wanting to know about each topic. And to be honest, I wasn't sure how you all would respond to the Family of Origin episodes because that gets in a little deeper to childhood stuff and into personal growth. But you all have sent me some of the coolest messages about where you are with this content, how it's challenging and helping you. And I have to say, I feel a little bit like a proud mom because I know this stuff is hard. It takes courage to go there with yourself, not to mention with your spouse, but you're doing it. So kudos to you all. If I may, I want to share just a couple of the messages I've received from you in the past few weeks. From a listener in Virginia, I just binge listened to six episodes on my way home and your last two episodes on family of origin and the roles we play were huge for me. I am the peacemaker and role model, and what I've heard my husband say about those things is almost verbatim what you said. And from a listener in Kentucky, I've loved the episodes on family of origin. They've spoken to me on so many levels, specifically the roles we play. It helped me to see where I fit in my family and how that translates to my adult life. My childhood was a mess, and I still struggle with being terrified of repeating things that my parents did unintentionally. So I love how you spoke about giving grace to our parents and being reflective on what was good. That really challenged me. And I just wanted to share those messages with you because I'm the only one who often gets to see and be encouraged by them. But I know for me, when I'm working towards something, it's always encouraging for me to know that I'm not the only one with the same experience and I'm not alone in my motivation and desire to grow. So thank you guys for sending me these messages and leading the way for others to share where they are and how they're growing as well. Okay, a few questions to address on family of origin before we move into a new topic in the new year. Question number one is, how does being an only child impact the role we played growing up? This goes back to the roles we play episode, episode number 26, and several of you actually reached out asking about the effect of being an only child on your marriage relationship. And like anyone else, your childhood significantly impacts the adult you are today, which means that your relationship with your parents plays an especially important role in your life because you didn't play a role among siblings. So if your parents had a happy marriage, it's likely that you took center stage in their minds 
to one degree or another. What they did with that is another story. Did they treat you like an adult from birth, or have they treated you like a child into adulthood? It's also likely that you may appear quite independent to the outside world, but you're rather dependent on your parents for feedback, for example, as they were the main sources of influence on you growing up. If your parents had an unhappy marriage, on the other hand, it's likely that you were triangulated growing up, meaning one or both parents learned to be somewhat dependent on you for their emotional support. So if you're an only child who's married, or you're someone who's married to an only child, The most important thing to understand is that your partner simply does not see the world the same way you do, because he or she was socialized differently than you behind closed doors. Therefore, your potentially different expectations for love, attention, privacy, alone time, and cooperation will all need to be clearly communicated so that you can come to each other with curiosity and grace rather than assuming something about each other that's just simply not true at all. Number two, how does growing up in a blended family impact the role we played growing up? The roles kids play growing up in blended families depend on a multitude of factors. For example, the age of the child at remarriage, the emotional health of the biological parent, the quality of and reason for remarriage, the presence of step-siblings in the blended family, and the health of the relationship between step-parent and step-child. So if you grew up in a blended family, I want you to think through this with me. How old were you when your parent got remarried? Were you too young to really understand the dynamic unfolding, or were you older and perhaps more resistant to your parent's spouse? Now think about your role in your parent's life before he or she was remarried. Did you play a supportive role to your mom or dad, or were you allowed to be a child without having to take care of your parent, emotionally or otherwise? How did that role change or stay the same once your parent remarried? Why did your mom or dad get remarried in the first place, and how did you perceive the quality of that relationship? If what you saw and observed was healthy, it's likely that you adjusted better to the new arrangement than if what you experienced growing up was unhealthy. The same is true for your relationship with your step-parent. If your step-parent understood their role and the boundary of that role in your life, you likely adapted better than if your step-parent and you had a strained relationship. And finally, did you have step-siblings? If you were able to keep the role you were already accustomed to playing, then your sense of self or identity was likely kept more intact as you developed than if you found yourself competing for a role with a step-sibling. That dynamic is especially worth noting and seeing if you can identify your role before and after remarriage, which you can do by going back and listening to episode number 26. Okay, number three, how do we make sure to communicate truthful messages about our children to our children? This is a great question with an easy answer. Use your words. You've probably said that yourself to your kids if you have them. So going back to episode number 29, say those messages out loud to your kids in the same way I said them out loud to you. And remember how good and uncomfortable all at the same time you felt as I spoke those truths aloud? 
Well, that's the same experience you and your kids will have if they're a little older and hearing them for the first time. But feeling uncomfortable isn't a good enough reason not to share these messages with your kids because they need to hear them. So you don't have to read them off in a list like I did, but think about what messages have I never used my words to communicate to my kids their worth and value? And ask yourself, what message does this particular child especially need to hear based on his or her personality or role that you're seeing them take on in the family? And then make that a message you communicate on a regular basis. So at the end of the day, don't just assume they know all the things about them because you know all the things about them. This isn't a and-if-necessary-use-words type of situation. This is a use-your-words-and-align-your-actions-to-communicate-truths-to-your-kids type situation. And number four, how do we practically come to believe these messages for ourselves? Do we just say them over and over like mantras or what? So again, this question is going back to our last episode, 29, and it's a good question. To answer that last part, no, you don't need to make them mantras necessarily. Yes, repetition is great and positive psychology has its perks, but in order to figure out how to practically believe truths about ourselves, we first have to understand how beliefs are formed. So what I recently explained to a client is that our passing thoughts about ourselves, which are often influenced by the messages we internalize as children, eventually become what we believe to be true about ourselves in the world. And when certain messages go unquestioned, unchallenged, and repeated over and over in our minds for years on end, all of us default to that set of beliefs. So for the first 15 to 20 years of our lives, our beliefs are fixed not because we've decided what to believe, but because that's what we've been told, that's what's been modeled for us, or at the very least, up until that time, that's what we've learned is acceptable to believe because no one has ever questioned or corrected us. Are you with me so far? So, the work of believing what's true about ourselves has to become a conscious effort. And the way we do that is this. Number one, we open up our minds to new ideas. Starting with the truths I listed for you on episode 29. Our brains will initially resist these ideas because believing something consciously requires way more energy than continuing to believe something unconsciously, even if those beliefs are untrue and keeping us from living the full and abundant lives God has for us. So number one, we open our minds to new ideas. And number two, we learn to internalize what's true, which means we have to let new thoughts take root. And these new thoughts, these new ideas, have to begin making sense to us so that we can move them from our heads down into our hearts. A perfect way to do that, sticking with our last episode, is by reading, memorizing, or meditating on Scripture. Especially if you believe the Bible to be true and you realize you've grown up believing lies about yourself, hiding certain verses in your heart that align with the truths you want to believe is the best way I know how to do that. And number three, we practice thinking new thoughts. Because remember, what we think becomes what we believe. And if we want to believe something different than what we have for the past two or more decades, we have to practice. That means 
reading truths, reading scripture, catching ourselves mid-thought when what we're telling ourselves doesn't align, and shaping our beliefs by the renewing of our own minds. So thank you guys for those questions. And with that, I want to share with you where we're headed on the podcast as we enter 2019. Through the month of January, we are talking about change. The process of change, the consequences of it, how to do it in a way that's helpful, and how change happens in and impacts our marriages. So, your action step for today on New Year's Eve is to decide on, with your spouse, one thing you two would like to see change in your marriage in 2019. It can be as small as you'd like, and in fact, that's probably better. But one thing you two would like to change, and then we'll spend the whole month of January talking about it, reflecting on it, and taking action. And before I go, I just want to say thank you. I know I say that a lot, but I mean it. Thank you to John Tibbs and your music for providing us with intro and outro music. Thank you to my husband Evan for editing this podcast each and every week. And thank you all for showing up for yourself and your marriage. Thank you for caring. Intentionality, self-awareness, vulnerability, all of these things take courage. And I pray this week that you personally are finding yourself, your marriage, and your relationship with God better for it. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle. Love is not a bond. Love is just as fragile as it is.